Welcome back to Good Girls, presented by HUDAP. We're your hosts. I am Michaela. And I'm Siobhan. On the Good Girls podcast, we will be tearing down societal expectations of the good girl, reminding the podcast universe that good girls are real people with valid wants, needs, and desires. This is a shame-free zone. Whether you consider yourself a good girl or a bad girl, we're all one and the same. This podcast is brought to you by the team at HUDAP, the alternative approach to commitment-free dating. On this week's episode, as per usual, we're going to dive into a very, very important topic, contraception. <sighs> the beauty, the marvel, the the modern medical, I was really wanting to... Modern medical mystery? Um, I'm hoping to remove the mystery, the mystery today. Um, modern miracle. There we go. And that's what both of us were aiming for yeah. for the first round. Okay. Yeah. Look, a we modern medical miracle. miracle. That say that twelve times fast. <laughs> cannot. I cannot. We haven't even been able to say simple words this morning. Okay. So we're gonna see how this uh, <sighs> this episode goes today. But look, I will be honest. I don't personally have a huge amount to provide to this conversation in terms of personal experience because my tried and true form of contraception is lesbianism. Mm. So I have done some digging. I have learned some things. I've actually learned a lot of things um, because clearly this is a topic I knew very little about. But, you know, if you got any sex ed as a high schooler, as a teenager, you may have gotten a tiny bit about contraception. And by tiny bit, I mean you probably put a condom on some kind of phallic object. Yeah. Maybe a banana. I have never as an adult put a condom on a man though. Really? I know a lot of women that will refuse to let a man put it on himself because they don't trust men, which honestly, valid. I'm lazy, okay. <laughs> You're like, that's all too much work for me. Yeah, Thank I also you. think this is the one topic where I actually know more than you. I know. Probably. I don't, we don't even I mean, know what I we're talking research, about. But um, Yeah, so she probably now knows more than me. But before then, yes. before the research, I, I think I would have Before about oh. 12 hours ago, you knew more than me. Yeah. So we'll take it. We'll take it. And before we dive into all of the fun, exciting things I have planned for today's episode, Siobhan, take us on a journey. What was your contraception journey like? Where did you start? Where have you finished? Are you happy? What's going on? Okay, well, ironically enough, mine started when I was like 15. Okay. Which... People are like, whore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, anyone that's listened to this episode like, goes, oh, dude, relatable mm-hmm. only too. Um, I actually went on contraception for my acne when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So I was on one of the pills and Accutane. Mm-hmm. So I started on the pill. I learned very quickly I'm terrible at taking a pill a day. Mm-hmm. I have no ability to have any sort of schedule like that, mm-hmm. even any schedule at all, really. So having something that is dependent on me remembering to do it every single day at the same time. Not good. She was difficult. It was tough. Mm -hmm. But then I got off it when I was maybe, say, 17, 18, Mm. I went off the pill. So a few years. Yeah, I was on the pill for a few years. But again, not sexually active through any of it. No. I wasn't. So when I came off the pill, I was freeballing. Mm-hmm like on nothing for about three years. Mm -hmm. But I then went from the pill to the IUD. I feel like we may have talked about this actually on the podcast Mm. before. Do you have the hormonal IUD or do you have the cop IUD? I have the hormonal one. Right. 
So yeah, so far no babies. So far no babies. So far no babies. Um, thankfully there was no baby then as well. Beautiful. Um, and now I've had it for like I'm 24 this year, so about three years now. No, two or three years, and my period just came back. Really? So Taylor about this right before I stopped getting mine relatively soon after I got my IUD, mm-hmm. and now it's come back. And you Weird. know what's really scary is how little doctors know about this because I called <laughs> family planning and I was like. Guys, is this normal? What is the vibe? And the lady was like, should we gooch, but we can't see you until July. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I do am I need to go to my doctor about this then? Like, is this normal? And she was like, I don't know. <laughs> Would you like me to get a nurse to call you? And I was like, well, yeah. yeah I would like to I'd like to know if I can wait until July <laughs> to sort this out or if my IUD is missing. Yeah. Or if something's very wrong with me because this why be is happy. it back? Why is it back? TBC, guys, I don't fucking know. They <laughs> said, oh, I'll call you and t- Because basically the nurse, when she called me back, was like, that's very strange because all my symptoms have come back too. But people who have the IUD and still get their periods, because everyone's different, like everyone's yeah. bodies react differently to the hormonal one. It should still, because essentially the reason I got the IUD in the first place was that my periods were really terrible, like really painful, very horrible. Yeah, like I had so many symptoms every time. Sore and tender breasts, humongous ones. They Mm. That's the only symptom that hasn't come back. (laughs) What a shame. That's the only symptom that didn't come back. (laughs) Um, Terrible cramps, back pain, like any, every symptom you can think of. I got yeah. and terribly to the point of tears every almost every period. So the hormonal was the best option for me because if I did keep my period, it would lessen it, basically. lessen these symptoms. But again, I just got my period back. I have all the symptoms. They're definitely not as bad as before, but yeah. that seems a bit strange to go from having not no period for years yeah. to having all my symptoms back my period back and it really be lo- a long time like I've had it for like two weeks now yeah so I don't yeah, know what's wrong with me got any doctors in the audience like yeah. let me know what the fuck's going on with me I don't know anyway family planning was supposed to call me back to book me in but they've yet to do that and I also have to do a pregnancy and an STI check before I even go to family planning <sighs> what a, this is a lot of homework <laughs> for me to do <laughs> And the whole reason I got the IUD is for zero homework. And so that I had to do nothing but wrap it up because the IUD does not protect against STIs. Precisely. Precisely. Okay, so it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a journey. It's a wild far. ride. Yes. And it's not even done. I thought it was done. No. Nah. I thought I was done with family planning, but no. No, no, no. Because how long were you gonna slash probably still are able to keep in your current IUD? Two more years, three more years. So like it five, de- six really years. It really depends. I don't know how old yeah. I was anymore. <laughs> I don't even know how old I was when I got it. Well, I was final year of uni. So how old was I then? 21. 21? 21. 21? Yeah. So then. 25. Five years? Yeah. So in 2026. Yeah. No. When you're 26, buddy. What year is that? <laughs> I don't know. 25. We're doing that. I keep forgetting that I'm born in 1999. I don't know why. We're going <laughs> to cut all of this that. out because the math is not mathing for me yeah, right no. now. And it's yeah, humiliating. Because no. I wish I could say it was the morning, but it's, it's verging it's on afternoon not, almost. It's verging on afternoon. So uh, what's interesting is that like you were kind of ready to be like, cool, 
the IUD is just what I'm going to do every five years, every six years, whatever it is. Because even through my research, it's very unclear as to how long you can actually keep an IUD. And it's very dependent on the type of IUD and yeah. the fucking brand of IUD. I don't even fucking know. Yeah, I have the Merino, which is a five-year one, I think. Yeah, because I think the copper IUD you can keep in for like almost 10 years, which is... I thought copper was a s- smaller. I thought that I was three know. years. It might be. When all of my research said that IUDs can be kept in anywhere from three to ten years, I'm like, that is a big gap. That's a big gap. We shouldn't be this vague about it. So can someone please work that out? Thank you. Yeah. Again, not that this is relevant to me in know. my life, but um, it was just something I thought about. So... I had a friend, and I I feel like they, I might have told this story before on the podcast, so if it sounds familiar, cut me off. But I had a friend at one of my old jobs, and she and her husband, don't know if they're actually married, but they've been together for fucking forever. They only ever use the pull-out method for contraception. Oh, my gosh. Like, only, I think they've been together for, like, 15 years, and uh, the only time that she got pregnant was when they were trying to get pregnant got pregnant, had their one child and was like, sweet, and have continued that method ever since and still only have one child. I also, like, not a single other scare in 15 plus years. Not a single pregnancy scare. And I don't even think, because we had heaps of conversations about this when we were together. I think she's a liar. I, well, because I, I don't even think she really tracks her cycle that much either. Because obviously we all know that there's only a certain amount of time each month that a woman can physically get pregnant because of ovulation yeah but i think she was like aware enough about her cycle but wasn't like i think the only time that she was actively tracking it was when they were trying to get pregnant and that terrifies me that you are just the pull-out method is enough if you just be like you know what? we're fine we're chill we're having a good time i can't comprehend that like yeah. that i don't know if it's just because I'm a queer woman that doesn't have to think about contraception and that's why that scares me or like it's terrifying. I, this is see, okay, where to begin with this? I have the IUD. I don't even have a regular partner. Like truly the IUD is more usable for someone who has a long-term committed relationship because it means that you can have sex without a condom because you so long not as there's as trust, yeah. there should be very little to no concern of getting an STI. Yeah. I have it and I have sex with different people and I use condoms because yeah. I'm protecting against STIs. I cannot imagine ever being at an age where I wouldn't have that as a protection in a long-term relationship. Yeah. Like... That you wouldn't have some form of contraception. Yes. Even if you were in a long term committed relationship. I literally got it and I realistically could just get away with using condoms. Yeah. Because I, I'm not having any real sex without yeah, a I, form I, of contraception. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Being in a relationship would be even more of a reason to have an IUD. Yeah. Because then I am raw dog in it. Yeah. Yeah. What? Crazy, right? That is insane. And and because we worked with quite a lot of women in that office and, and we were all really, really close and we'd have conversations like this all the time. And just how absolutely chill and blasé she was about it, that what clearly works for them. It's not a, a contraception method that I would recommend. It's not a contraception method at all. <laughs> I don't, that's straight up not a method. That's not a method. Like people say the pull-out method, that's not a 
that is just a thing you're doing. That's not a method. That's just what you're doing. Yeah. So there's no there's no scientific backing that that works at all. That one example, God has blessed that woman. I know, and and she's a great person. Because I just she's a phenomenal person. So she deserves. Tried that. I Instantly would be popping pregnant. them out. My mom had four children in five years. Yeah. That woman made a choice. She went off something yeah. for that to happen. There was no, there was no trying. No. There was tried. Yeah. And succeed. <laughs> there was succeeding. There was, she succeeded. She was a fertile woman. I'm, I'm not, I'm not risking that shit. No, I am not risking that. No, 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 no. I honestly have been thinking about this though, because I have the IUD and I know that when, it comes time to take it out. I will be replacing it. Yeah. I will be replacing it. I was saying to my friends, I don't know if what age or if I ever will come to the decision of taking it out to have a child. Yeah. Because for all my other friends, like they're on the pill or yeah, where they, can they just have stop. nothing. They just stop. Like that, it's a choice, I guess, to stop. But you can see this is the thing. I'm so mentally ill, like... I would be playing it up in my head like if I wanted a child, I'd just stop taking my pill but pretend like it was actually just like my mind that just forgot to do it. Like <laughs> oh I just God. pretend so that I'm making the choice without making a choice. Because I without hate scaring myself about the choice. Yes, I hate to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if I in turn like subconsciously wanted a child, I just know that I'd just stop taking it, but I'd like tell myself it was for different reasons in my head, even though deep down I knew it was because I wanted to have a child. Yeah. Whereas with my IUD Honestly, people must be like, this woman needs help. Well, she they, needs if help. anyone that listens to this podcast regularly knows that anyway, yes. that's not a shock. Um, she needs help. I have to make an active choice to take this out. Like, yeah. I just cannot imagine ever being in a place in life where I make that choice. <laughs> right? Look at whoever I'm with and I'm like, yeah, we're taking it. Put a baby at me. Yeah. Literally. Huh? No. I, I know people are always like... <laughs> Don't trap a man. I feel like a man needs to trap me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I need to get trapped. I thanks. will never ever make the choice. I will never make the decision. Someone needs to trick me or trap me. <laughs> like otherwise I it's not happening. Refuse to be an active participant in my own life. Like, I'm sorry. No. That's too real. Tell me what to wear. Tell me who to believe in. Like, I'm sorry. I don't I don't think I will be choosing to take it out. No. Like looking at someone and being like, so I think it's time to book him with it. Are you fucking serious? No. I can't imagine that. No. Like, I would just keep getting this shit replaced. Like, I'll be fine. I'll be literally in menopause being like, oh, my AD appointment's in three months. Like, gotta book it in. I I just don't know I will ever be in a place where I'm like, yeah, just have to take this out. Cut to like five years from now and Siobhan's on her second child. Let's not put bad omens no, in the air. Sorry, like I, take that. I take it back. I'm so sorry. Take it back. But yeah, I don't know. That's not a method. <laughs> I just am really quite shocked by that. Look, uh, the pull out method officially not approved by the Good Girls podcast. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for listening. Don't do that. Okay, as we all know, whenever I do topics like this, I love to just take a wee stroll through history because we as the human race, have not been doing a lot about contraception up until very recently. 
Uh, so look, let's, I'm going to start with a bit of a fun fact because I was watching, you know, on Netflix, how they have that explained series, oh, yeah? but they have one, a, a series that's just for sex. It's sex explained. Um, quite good. Quite good. I do like the format of the explained docuseries on okay. Netflix. And this one was narrated by Janelle Monae, which I also, okay, work. Uh, iconic. Um, so there are, for those that don't know, there are several theories as to why we use the typical heart shape to symbolize like love and romance, right? Because we all know it doesn't look like your Not actual, actual heart. anatomical heart. And we know that even if it was to look like an anatomical heart, your feelings of love don't come from your heart that pumps your blood. You know, different, different situation. Head. Where do they come from then? <laughs> up here thoughts in the brain this bitch is a betrayer <laughs> and she's a liar and a fake yeah and i wish i'd never met her yeah I, obviously so one of the core theories as to why we use this heart shape is because of the sylphium pod so the sylphium pod was a type of plant that it's now extinct but it grew in only one place in the world, which was a Greek colony called Serene. And it was super, 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 super valuable. So it was their like main form of trade. It was basically their entire economy was this one plant, right? And the plant itself had all kinds of medical uses, all kinds of medicinal benefits. But one in particular was that if you drunk the juices of this pod once a month, you could completely prevent conception. How fun and fresh. But not only that, it could also be used as essentially the ancient morning after pill. Because it would not only I want to get my hands keep on that. you from getting pregnant, but it would also stop any pregnancy that had started. I would love to know what is what this plant is, what was in it, yeah. what so, it's like how I want to know what it did to their body like because I I understand from a general sense of what IUD the IUD is doing. is doing in my body to prevent contraception and yeah. is making a thick mucus yeah. in the cervix yes. that prevents sperm from getting through yes. I want to know what this liquid did to their bodies yeah so there are a couple of different theories because it was so long ago and is now extinct. Yeah. They they have tracked back to what they think the general family of this plant was and are looking at different components from other similar plants to see if their theories are correct. Yeah. But essentially what they think was happening was some form of hormone manipulation was either raising or lowering certain hormones in your body that then stopped you getting pregnant, um, which I will dive into a little bit deeper when it actually relates to some of our modern contraceptions. But they believe that that was basically what was happening. And I knew that something like this must have existed in real life because I was watching the new Game of Thrones prequel series, House of Dragon, Dragon or something, whatever that one's called. And there was a, a, a collection of scenes in where, they drank tea. where they drank tea. And because it was to, you know, get rid of any potential offspring that had come from a recent sexual escapade. So I knew that had to be derived from somewhere because surely even in, you know, ancient times, medieval times, fucking whatever, there, there was, was some something, method. Yeah. There was something somewhere that made it happen. Whether it was 100% reliable or not, different story, but there had to have been something. And so the, what did we call it? The Sylphium pod was that. Yeah. And, and ancient Greece and, and the ancient Mediterranean. So that's where a lot of people actually think the heart shape that we use for modern symbols of love 
actually stems from. I kind of love that because it's essentially saying I love to fuck. Yeah. I love to fuck and not get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Which, fair. So that's like, I would say probably the earliest form of form of contraception but there are some other things that happened kind of throughout human history because as we were saying at the top you know there's we were pretty loosey-goosey about contraception for a very long time but obviously we know early versions of condoms were made from animal intestines which grosses me out but on top of that they were washed and reused which also grosses me out that's a hard pass from me and In case you didn't think this current portion of this episode couldn't get any grosser. So originally, when it came to the use of something like a diaphragm, an internal condom, um, which we obviously use today, but back in the day, women were just like, we need to put a barrier in. We need to block the inside because that's clearly how this is happening. So let's just put in some kind of barrier. But we were pretty... um, creative with what was used as certain barriers so we've got things like wool silk plant matter or literal animal poop and i wish i was making this up so in egypt the popular dung variety was that of the crocodile and in india the popular variety was that of an elephant this is real life. I wish I was making this up. That women, God, we have been through it because we were sticking literal animal poop that up our so... vaginas to stop getting pregnant. How were they not having other issues from that? <laughs> because people only lived to like 25 anyway. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> it fucking sucks to suck, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him, really? uh, him immediately after, can I come in your face instead? <laughs> You just have been smashing into some crocodile dung. Yeah. No, you may not. Anywhere near me. No, you you may not. No, you may not. So, So base, you know what, though? The math is my thing. The math is my thing to me. I always say to people, where did STIs come from? (laughs) Like, and most of them have roots back to animals. animals. This is how. Because I'm like, okay. How many people realistically were fucking animals though? Like um, men are disgusting. So yeah, but still, a like a fair few. But like enough to have them be like taking all over, over the world, <laughs> all over the world. Like that's a lot of people in all countries fucking animals. Yeah. This could be how. This could be how they're like fucking animal feces, and that it just is happens what, to be inside of a human that, being. Yes, and that is what. Look what you guys did to us. I know. So now I have to go. And make sure they always have condoms on me because you guys decided to stick shit up your yeah. vagina. Yeah, because you got to do what you got to do to not have a kid, though, yeah. eh, bro. Like, like fair. Fair, 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 Honestly, I think I'm a child bride at the ripe age of 23. I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised that you guys felt the same. And you guys were probably literally about 15. Years. You were child brides, yeah, quite literally. Probably, like I know it. I'm so yeah. sorry that I would that I was nasty, but and I'm so sorry that you had to suffer through that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, the UTIs and yeast yeah. infections these girls had. Oh yeah, my gnarly. god, absolutely not. So by the time the 1950s rolled around, hallelujah, uh, the first birth control pill was invented. And it was invented through scientists basically learning how to manipulate hormones, the hormones needed to produce a fetus. 
Um, so this was actually initially marketed as a pill to help with menstrual irregularities. So problems with your period. So basically people who have irregular periods or like ones that were, were really, really heavy or, or really, yeah. you know, whatever. It was very much marketed as that. And so suddenly we found that a whole lot of women had problems with menstruation. Just a whole lot of women. Because there was a secondary benefit that was not marketed for this pill, which was contraception. So women were just like, hey, I see what you're doing there. I'm going to manipulate the system so that I can get my hands on that. My period is really painful. My period is really, really terrible. Give me that so I can't have babies. Thank you so much. By the time the 1960s rolled around, it became actually marketed as contraception and was insanely, insanely popular. Women everywhere loved it. And we're talking on a global scale. And it I really am not exaggerating by explaining that the invention of the birth control pill changed the world. I'm not surprised. Like for the first time ever, women were able to control how long they stayed in school, the better education that they got, their economic prosperity. They could have smaller families, which meant we didn't have giant families like dragged down into poverty because there were so many of them. So many people came out of poverty because of the birth control pill. Like, it is really astounding. And there are some really fascinating studies done throughout a whole bunch of different places in the world. I think Bangladesh is one of the most prominently impacted areas where in rural Bangladesh, women were given a, basically the jab, um, which we'll dig into later, but an injectable birth control option. And in two generations, the overall family income increased massively women's like body mass increased immensely to the point that they were actually living to old age which was never happening prior to that because women were spending so long producing children and then caring for so many children that they were so worn out what of a better word they were tired and literally did not live as long and uh, you see then the stark comparison within a 20-year time difference of what a classroom looks like. Because in some of these countries where, you know, at the time of this invention, it's under massive conservative governments and to the point where women weren't leaving the house because there was no protection for them. If they left the house and mingled with society, they would get pregnant and they would have no support and they would continue getting pregnant thereafter, no matter what age they were. So through the use of having some form of contraception, entire societies changed over like realistically relatively short time periods. I, excuse me if I sound uneducated (laughs) or I don't even think this is an uneducated thought really. It's just a thought. Uh I'd never thought of what it would be like to not have the ability to not get pregnant. Does that make sense? Like, I never thought about what it would be like for women in the like 50s who literally had no choice. Yeah. If they got pregnant, they got pregnant. There was no abortion support. There was no second chance to like change your mind. If you even made a decision to get pregnant in the first place, which you probably didn't. If that was even a conscious decision. If that was even a conscious decision. Holy fuck. Yeah. It's, it's genuinely astounding. And we do have so much luxury in that we've never had to think like that. No, yeah. We've never had to worry about every single sexual experience, about mingling with the opposite sex, about anything in that capacity because we know that we have options. Yeah. 
And granted, there are still a huge number of places in the world where that and access also there and is being restricted and, and we're going back to the, the fucking dark, dark ages. ages. Um, but, this, but like, that is such a, yeah, like terrifying thought that we're going back to that place. There were women that were living like us feeling very comfortable and free to live how we wanted to, knowing that there were options if life took a turn yeah. that we weren't ready for, prepared for, wanted. Yeah. There were options. Yeah. And I cannot imagine what it would be like if just tomorrow I woke up and New you were Zealand pregnant stripped and there was us, nothing you could do about it. Yeah, stripped us of that, right? If I woke up tomorrow and they were like, you need to return your IUD. Yeah. They, we want it back. Yep. We no <laughs> you, longer want you to have it. Yeah. You and if you get pregnant, back, well, too bad. Because yeah. that would completely change the way I live my life. Yeah. And imagine if that had then happened when you were 17, 18, 19. Yeah. You wouldn't have had the higher education that you have. You wouldn't have had the access to employment that you have. Yeah. Your life would be completely different. 100%. And this was so monumental for women around the world. Granted, we didn't nail it from the beginning. Yeah, but are we surprised? No, we're not surprised. So for about the decade between 1950 and 1960, the standard pill that was offered to consumers contained 10 times the hormone needed to stop conception. 10 times. So imagine with the knowledge that we have collectively today about the symptoms and the side effects of taking the birth control pill. Yeah. Think about that times 10. That is what these women were experiencing in the very early days of the birth control pill. And of course, because society is awful and everything is terrible, the American, either the medical board or Congress or scientists, I can't quite figure out exactly whose decision this was, but at the time in the early 50s, Puerto Rico had a huge expansion in population. Um, to the point where it was completely unmanageable and poverty rates were through the roof. So women in Florida were having too many babies and it was getting all about out of hand. And so at that point, the government in Puerto Rico had begun a sterilization program, which is awful. And the vast majority of women were not going into the sterilization by choice. And it was really, really horrible. And so scientists, whoever came in and were like, hey, we've got this, this magic pill that is going to stop the need for this. You're going to have contraception. You're not going to have to go through sterilization. We've got the solution. What they didn't tell these women, who obviously flocked to this opportunity, was that this pill had not been tested. <laughs> had not been tested on humans. And these women in Puerto Rico that were offered this opportunity were the guinea pigs for the modern day birth control pill. And I just want to remind everyone that I said three minutes earlier, this pill had 10 times the hormone needed to stop conception. So these women suffered horrendous side effects, horrendous side effects. There were several deaths, strokes, blood clots, heart attacks, various forms of cancer. And these women didn't even know until the 80s. There was a documentary that was produced in Puerto Rico talking to the women that were involved in the early stages of the contraception taking pill. the contraceptive pill. They had no idea that this was the case until this documentary filmmaker told them that information in the late 80s. So that was horrible. That was incredibly horrible. And it took till the end of the 60s for Congress to even register that the birth control pill might not be safe as it was. 
So over the first full decade of the birth control pill being available to women, and I'm talking like millions of women took this pill at this point because it was huge. Everyone wanted it because of how fucked up it was not to have it. And it took them a full decade to bring that down from 10 times the amount that you needed to like the perfect amount that it is now. And even then it's not perfect. And there are still many, 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 many side effects that come with taking the contraceptive pill. Yeah. But it was definitely a a bit of a tumultuous journey Mm. with contraception and and with the pill. And, And now, you know, it's the problem with creating synthetic hormones. It isn't, you're putting something in your body that doesn't belong there and doesn't occur naturally. And again, in this episode of Sex Explained, there was a woman that had been involved in taking a form of contraception that was available in the 90s. I believe it was called Yaz. It was a a brand of contraception pill. And that contained a particular synthetic hormone that I can't remember exactly what happened to her, but it was this particular hormone that existed in this pill. And through taking it, she ended up having like horrible bleeding and she got like a low grade infection and being a woman of color in the nineties, any doctor that she went to about this infection that she was experiencing was dismissed as an STI. No one looked into the fact that it was her contraceptive pill until she slipped into a coma one night and woke up having had a full hysterectomy, which is obviously horrible. What the fuck? So that pill I believe is actually still available today. And there are pills that contain the same synthetic hormone that that pill has that are on the market today. And she says, you know, look, we're not asking for the perfect solution with no risks. We're asking to understand those risks and provide full informed consent. Because anytime you put something in your body, you are accepting that it doesn't necessarily belong there. And that it's a, you know, you're putting something into your system that doesn't naturally occur. You're already accepting there is some level of risk. Any medication you take, there is some form of side effect. You expect that when you take a medication. The problem is that this was so unregulated and so unbalanced for so long that just by taking the contraceptive pill, you didn't really know what you were signing up for. Yeah, you were signing up for a bunch of other things besides the contraception but you just the only thing you knew that was going to come from this was that you weren't going to get pregnant yeah and as more types of contraceptive pills were created there were pills that were more designed for heavy periods and more designed for managing acne and more designed for mood balancing and managing pms and because all of those things are hormone related it's great that those pills exist. That's not yeah. the issue. But the issue is then there's all a you're bunch being of other told, side effects that aren't being relayed to yeah. you. All you're being told is this is going to solve your PMS. This is going to stop you having heavy periods. This is going to stop your acne. And you're not being really told and really understood that this could cause major depression. It could cause huge amounts of weight gain it can cause blood clots it can like yeah contribute to cancer first got put on the pill and on accutane i because i went on the pill first before i got put on accutane i wasn't really told about any of the side effects of the pill i the side effects weren't even talked about until i got put on accutane yeah because accutane at least in new zealand 
their rates of suicide of people who go on Accutane were really high, yeah. especially when I went on it. So that was like the only time we ever talked about side effects was because they they felt a need to yeah. because there was real life things happening in our country that were like we have to inform you of this because yeah. it would be ethically wrong not to not because we're seeing a pattern here yeah um and before that I had never even thought that there would be side effects to the pill that I was put on because my doctor put me on them and I was 15 years old yeah. I was a child what more do you know why would I think to question anything hmm. after that obviously <laughs> looked into my pill the one yep. that I was on um was wondering why I had been gaining weight mm -hmm. low moods all of these side effects that I was experiencing oh they came from the pill yeah. and from the fact that again I was 15 I was not a fully, fully formed, formed human, human being I was <laughs> I was insecure already I already had emotional yeah regulation issues like yeah. it just made all of these things worse but I was not prepared for that I was yeah. prepared to no longer have acne yeah yeah it didn't even fully work until I got on Accutane though yeah and even then it took a year exactly so people just need to know they need to know yeah. what is going on they need to know what what the risks of having these different types of medications are yeah. and they need to have the ability or at least feel safe enough to be able to ask questions and to ask for more help yeah because when, i think a big issue as well is that i didn't ever feel comfortable asking or like you don't even necessarily know more to ask and that's the thing we put so much trust in our medical professionals which we should granted i'm not saying don't trust doctors definitely trust doctors yeah. but when you're a young woman being told that this pill is going to literally solve all your problems why would you then feel the need to find out more to 100%. ask what, what could happen like you're being you're being told everything you want to hear and this is the thing everyone throughout this docuseries that i watched and the general consensus amongst women is that we would rather have contraception and accept the risks than not have it at all yeah we know what that's like and we don't want to go back there the difference is when we a, and not enough research is done on what those contraceptives actually do to women, studied by women for women. Mm -hmm. Because in this initial Congress hearing, a decade after the pill was released, entire male panel, only men could present, could raise their concerns or to I... talk in any way, shape or form. And the only reason that stopped is because a bunch of women broke into Congress protesting and saying hey guess what we should be a part of this conversation because it's our bodies who's fucking surprised literally nobody literally, literally no nobody is surprised literally no one but that the whole thing was was all about you know we understand that there are risks we would rather accept those risks than not have the option and the irony is like you don't want to tell us because you you think that we won't buy your contraception we will Bitch, we still don't want buy babies. it. We don't want babies. We will still buy it and we'll still get prescribed it. Yeah. We just would like to know what it's going to do to our bodies. Yeah, we're really I'd not like asking for much. to know what the fuck's going to happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a history of contraception. It's It's been a bit of a rocky situation. But again, we're at a point now where a lot of women have options and a lot of women have access to options. So if you are not on any contraceptive currently, or if you are questioning whether or not your contraceptive is the right one for you, I really hope that this next segment is helpful. 
to you. But before we get into it, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, HUDAP. HUDAP is a dating app with the sole mission of helping you get your rocks off with people who like to do it how you do. The good girls are all about being honest, open, and fucking kinky. So using my bedroom, you can add what you like, receiving or giving between the sheets and find your perfect match today. Download HUDAP from the App Store. Okay, the pill, the implant, the IUD, the injection, the morning after pill, sterilization. We now live in a world where there are lots of different ways to stop you getting pregnant. Some are a lot more invasive and a lot more intense than others, but I want to dive into each because there's a lot that I learned from this segment that I'm hoping that you guys learn too. But just as a quick note, to reiterate something we mentioned quite close to the top of the episode, none of these options are going to protect you from STDs, which means wearing condoms and getting tested regularly are still on the agenda. Also, quick shout out to Family Planning NZ for all of the mahi on these resources because I took them. And I'm now sharing them with you. Also, thank you to the mahi of family planning. During this episode, I did get a call from them to book me in to sort my they IUD were out, guys. We manifested. They heard us. They heard us. And, and they, they said, got you, girl. Literally called midway through the episode. And I was like, hello. And Michaela said, no fucking way. <laughs> no fucking way. And I was like, it's family planning. Yeah. yeah. So we appreciate so, yeah, them. I'm sorry that I talk shit about you guys. You did return my call. Yeah, they really, they really were like, "Hold on, baby girl, we are, we're in the middle of something, but we got you." I like, promise. We heard, we're we heard your complaints, and we're here. Yes. All right. Starting with the pill. I know that I've already talked quite a bit of shit about the pill so far in this episode, but I'm going to try and make this segment educational and unbiased. So there are two different types of the pill, in terms of their composition there are obviously many different brands and many different pharmaceutical companies that make a contraceptive pill but there are two main forms one is the combined oral contraceptive pill and the other is the progestogen only contraceptive pill and i'm going to apologize to everyone in advance because progestogen is not a word that comes out of my mouth easily and i say it a lot in the rest of this episode okay so i am just it's never going to sound natural Uh, So just buckle in. So the combined pill works by altering both the estrogen and the progesterone levels in the body in a way that I think the best way to describe it is that it basically convinces your body you're already pregnant. So that means that no more eggs need to be released that your uterine lining doesn't need to be prepared again, and that the mucus that lines your cervix to stop sperm entering your body stays nice and thick and juicy because it believes that there's already a baby sorting itself out in there. So that's basically how the combined pill works. Just thinks, we're preggers already. No need to worry about it. The progesterone-only pill doesn't have any estrogen, as the name would suggest, and it mostly just works by thickening that mucus in the cervix and keeping it thick because your body only does that when you're already pregnant. That's the only time that your body naturally produces that thicker mucus in your cervix. So, um, and it's the progesterone and estrogen, natural hormones in your body that occur when you're pregnant. And those hormones live in your reproductive system. They don't live in your brain. And so they are there just, they're there to help the process with pregnancy and they're core to the pregnancy. But progesterone is mostly responsible for that cervix mucus okay it's gonna be a lot of kind of icky words through the rest of this but it's important and educational yeah and mucus look it's fine it's a fine word we're okay i actually don't mind mucus yeah it just also it always makes me think of the mucinex 
commercials yeah. with the little uh, googly man. Yeah. That's just where my brain goes every time. So with the progesterone-only pill, increases that cervix mucus so that uh, sperm can't get through, and it also changes the lining of the uterus so that uh, it's less likely to accept a fertilized egg. So if sperm happens to get through and it happens to reach an egg – you know, no, no contraceptive apart from abstinence and lesbianism is 100% effective. So in case sperm gets through, the progesterone-only pill also works to make sure that the egg can't get all nice and comfy and cozy yeah. in your uterus. Cool. Both pills are about 92% effective. So they are the lowest effective form of contraception apart from condoms. Mm. So that means that there's a pregnancy rate of about eight people per hundred per year through using the pill. See, those odds aren't good enough yeah, for me. Yeah, scary, right? So the combined pill needs to be taken at the exact same time every day to be effective, where the progesterone-only pill, you have about a three-hour window where you can still take it. Again, not doable for no. me. Like, what? I just, how, who has their life together enough? To rely on that fully? To take the a pill every day at the same time even people power to you who track their cycles yeah my friend tracks her cycle like religiously well yeah because her and her partner don't use or try not to use contraception but when she is lacking on her tracking oh my god when you're lacking on the tracking (laughs) wrap it up (laughs) wrap it up girl she ate with those bars yeah yeah so she tracks her period and i'm like how how is that do you do that yeah and And what's what's funny is that i want everyone to picture me 16 years old living in an all-girls boarding school and at certain times of the morning or certain times of the evening you just hear a series of alarms going off throughout the boarding house of everyone reminding themselves to take their pill yeah Uh, so that you know and so the, the thing with the pill is that the more careful you are with taking it the more specific you are with taking it in terms of the times every day the more effective it becomes but it sits at that 92 percent effectiveness because no one is really that accurate no because who we're humans yeah we're flawed beings yeah i i can go i've been trying to do the vitamins vibe Oh, yeah. I Can't maybe it, yeah. get it to three times a week. I maybe yeah. remember to take my vitamins thrice weekly. Yeah. Imagine if I was relying on those vitamins to stop me from getting pregnant. I'm the problem yet again, yeah. as always. The people who it works for, well done, queens. Yeah. I know so many people who have alarms for their pills, work for you. It I is- swap my bags like I swap yeah. men. It every day still, I never have the same things on me every day because yeah. every single one of my bags have their own lipsticks their own <laughs> mints their own yeah so that no matter what bag I grab it's fully stocked it's stocked with what I need to go so I need like 17 packets of pills <laughs> for each of the bags and they'll all be on different days yeah like this one's on day seven this one's on day two yeah. like there's just my life has not got enough organization organization to live like this yeah. she is a mess yeah and her hormones would be a mess because of how irregularly I took my pill I reckon when I would have taken my pill when I was 15 that shit was 0.8% effective no wonder it didn't help me with my acne (laughs) she was taking it at all sorts of different times of day when it I'd be like in my bed being like oh didn't take my pill today it's (laughs) you took your pill last at 12 p.m yeah it is now almost 1 a.m yeah it's that's not it's tomorrow's pill yeah you're taking tomorrow's pill now Mm -hmm. Like, 
get it together. Yeah. And so pros and cons with the pill is that pros, it can be up to 99% effective if you're taking it properly. So look, it's possible for it to be that effective. Just on average, it's not. Um, it's also, I guess, arguably easy to use. It's not very invasive. It's just a medication. It definitely doesn't get in the way of having sex. You can use it to completely stop your period if that's something that you want to do. And you can get pregnant immediately after taking it, which can be a pro or a con depending on your situation. <laughs> it also can help with acne, with heavy periods, things like that. On the con side of things... I would say after doing this research, the pill has arguably the most amount of cons uh, because side effects include things like weight gain, which is often through water retention. It's not actually because you're gaining fat, but at the same time, it can create very, very low mood and depression. And if you're anyone like me, I eat a lot when I'm depressed. So there's every chance you're going to gain weight regardless of whether or not it's water retention. Yeah. Um, it also can increase how fast and how thick your body hair grows. Didn't know that. Also, headaches, nausea, inability to regulate sexual desire or libido, inability to regulate emotions, blood clots, stroke, heart attack. It can contribute significantly to two main forms of cancer and this is specifically for the combined pill because these are estrogen related but uh, breast cancer estrogen related breast cancer and cervical cancer are both impacted by increased levels or changing levels of estrogen in your body terrifying obviously those latter side effects that I've mentioned here are the fringe cases but when you're thinking multi-million amounts of women are taking this pill every year it's still a significant numbers are there yeah it's still a significant number of women so the progesterone only pill does have considerably less side effects uh, because a lot of these side effects do stem from synthetic estrogen yeah okay so that's that's a bit about the pill how it works pros and cons moving on the implant Personally, the implant is the one that freaks me out the most. That's the rod, right? Yes. So the implant is made up of two small rods the size of a matchstick that are inserted under the skin on the inside of your arm. So these rods slowly release progesterone, which, as we know, stops the body from releasing an egg every month, thickens the mucus in the cervix, all that jazz. We understand how that works. That is what the rod is doing. The... Pros and cons for the rod. Pros, it is 99% effective, very much a sit and forget method. It's called a long-term reversible contraceptive something. It's got a little acronym, but it is completely reversible. You can have it for up to five years. Uh, You obviously don't need to think about contraception every day. And studies do show that the implant doesn't cause any change in weight and mood and sex drive will give you any headaches, which are the four most common side effects with contraception in general. The cons, for me, the cons are, are mostly that you can feel it under your skin. Freaks me out. My sister, when I was a teenager, like a young teenager, she got the implant and it terrified the fuck out of me. The fact that you could feel it underneath the skin, like as soon as she got it, she was like... Mickey, touch it, touch it. And I'm like, absolutely fucking not. I will not be doing that. I will that. not be doing that. Um, so I hated it. I, hated I feel it. like that's the most common. I think a lot of people would, just like listening to the facts, mm. would prefer to get the rod or the IUD. Yeah. The biggest 
setback or the biggest pushback I feel like most people have is that it is a, yes yeah. yeah it's like a lot of people don't like the idea of things being put inside of them yeah and I'm like but baby the whole point is that you put it in you once, once. so that no matter how many times he puts it in you <laughs> you're good you're good but and and that's like the contraceptive pill is by far the most widely used form of contraception which is crazy to me because i don't understand how people would rather have to do something every day for the rest of their lives or until right sorry (laughs) let me rephrase (laughs) until they're ready to have a child yeah why would you rather take a pill every single day than just put something and put something in you once yeah i agree and if i was someone that needed regular contraception i would not opt for the pill so but it has the most side effects like i just don't yeah that would never be my choice like why would you firstly and also i just know i would never do that because again the onus is on me to regulate it and make sure that i'm using it properly and doing it every single day i don't trust myself i would have literally been on maternity leave by now yeah Michaela would not I would not be here recording this podcast no. because I just I cannot do it yeah but power to all the women who can absolutely. work queens absolutely and sometimes it is the most accessible option yeah which is sometimes just part of it you cannot yeah get other versions yeah so other cons for the implant is that it can cause bleeding but it's not the fact that it can cause bleeding that's the problem it's the fact that you're not going to know when you put it in how much you're going to bleed for how long. Like it it affects everyone differently. Mm. So some people bleed a little bit for a really long time. Some don't bleed at all. Sometimes people are only bleeding when they've got their period and sometimes it's spotting consistently. It's kind of up to the individual body, which I know for a lot of people is not necessarily a situation they want to enter into, not knowing how their body's going to react. But I think that that's a hard thing because no matter what contraception you use, that's going to happen. I was like one of my first and probably only friends that has the IUD. I became like kind of a beacon of information about that particular form of contraception. And I remember I would tell people my experience at least up until about a week ago when my period came back. But I would tell people about like the fact that I bled for like maybe two months spotting. Yeah. And then my period cease and desist. Yeah. She never came. She, See you later, she queen. was goodbye. And all my friends, that was such a selling point. Yeah. Right? That's like because no one wants to deal with their my body. Like that was such a selling point. Yeah. Especially when they knew how bad my periods were for me to have none at all, no symptoms. They were like, wow. They were like, what the hell? Like, that's amazing. Yeah. I would have to be like okay, yes, that's what happened to me, but I don't want you to go and listen to what I've said and, and then get it and expect the same results because everybody is different. I went on the pill, I gained weight. Yeah. My friends go on the pill, they stay the same or lose weight. Yeah. Everyone's body reacts differently to different medications, to different hormones. Like no contraception is one size fits all. <laughs> and that's why it's really important to talk to your doctors yes. about what is the best fit for you. Yes. And that is a great caveat. Uh, we are not medical professionals. No. I am here simply sharing, sharing the good word. And uh, you take that information and you consult a medical professional before yes. you make any decisions. And as always, my information is purely living related as just my lived experience do not take that take that with a grain of fucking salt because i am one person of billions yes so everyone's different 
who knows how your body's going to react each to their own. We're just giving you some info. Yeah, we're Baby just girls. giving you some worry. little tidbits of information. Yes. So that was the implant. Moving on to the IUD. So the IUD, the intrauterine device, uh, which, look, now that you know exactly what IUD stands for, it's going to come up in your next trivia night. I promise you it will. So the IUD is a long-acting reversible contraception. It is a little, little device that is placed inside of your uterus to prevent pregnancy. So there are two kinds of IUD, as we talked about earlier in the episode. There is the hormonal IUD and the copper IUD. So the hormonal IUD contains progesterone and the copper IUD obviously contains copper. Uh, So no hormones going on in the copper IUD. Both types basically work by stopping the potentially fertilized egg from attaching to the wall of the uterus. Somehow, and we always love when this happens, do doctors 100% know how this works? No. They do not. No, they do not. Because somehow copper is sperm's kryptonite. And we don't know why. why. We just know that it happens. Uh, so with the copper IUD specifically, once the sperm enters the uterus, the copper is like, whoa, Nelly, get out of here. We're going to instantly kill you. Uh, the hormonal IUD is more like, come on in, but you're not getting very far. Yeah. Because any egg that you try and fertilize, we're not creating a nice, comfy, cozy environment for that egg. So that's the difference between the two. Um a fun fact, something I didn't know, and this is probably super common knowledge to straight women, but it was not common knowledge to I'm me. so excited to hear what you have to say. Did you know that the copper IUD can be used as emergency contraception? Yes, I did. See, I didn't know that. Because the only reason I know that, though, is because obviously when I went, okay, also caveat, when I lost my virginity, I did not use protection. Uh, Questionable really behavior, ter- but that's okay. Well, yeah, that's why I had to do the morning after pill. Yeah. But again, she was young, she was naive, she was unexpecting of what was what was going to happen clearly because nobody chooses the night before their IUD insertion to have unprotected sex. Like that's a terrible fucking idea. Yeah. They literally say to you, do not you do that. cannot come here with the possibility of being pregnant. Yeah. You cannot get pregnant before you get the IUD. You yeah. cannot be pregnant and get the IUD. It's a big raging no-no. Yeah. But because I'm also an adult, I told the truth to my doctor when I went <laughs> Which in. Which is important. Do that. I told her the truth and I said, whoopsie. So, this has happened. <laughs> because obviously when I got the IUD, I was planning, I, I reached the age where I decided, okay, I will have sex. Yeah. Because as we all know, I was older. I was later in life. She was a late bloomer. But even then, I was, li- I was still a child bride. Yeah, I was 21. Still. She was a child. I made the decision, right? And so I told the lady, I made the decision a night early. I made it Oops. a little bit accidentally too early. Yeah. So caveat of this is I had already decided with my doctor before my appointment to get the IUD that we were going to do the marina. Yes, because the hormonal IUD. I had really bad periods as we've discussed in this episode. Yes. But when I went in and I told her, so sick and also I was overweight to take the morning after because it's only effective if you're under 75 kgs or something 70 kgs or whatever it is so I needed to take two which is like also just not the vibes like way to make me feel shit about myself having to take two pills because I weigh a normal amount for a normal person anyways she was not in love with the idea of putting an IUD in and relying on a morning after pill Mm -hmm. to Possibly, Make sure that you weren't pregnant. Yes. 
So she was like, we can do the copper one and it's a two for one. Like you will have the IUD and, and you will also possibly, if there is a pregnancy, like that will stop it. Yeah. I said, no, I still want the marina because I don't like... It's not good Because of one bad decision, I am not going to miss out on... The hormonal benefit. The hormonal benefit of getting on the regular IUD. And it all worked out. She's fine. I was not pregnant because that would have been a cruel, cruel joke. That would have been a cruel joke. That would have been a cruel, cruel joke if I had been. But I wasn't. So we're thankful. But that's the only reason I know is because I made poor decisions. (laughs) Or else I would not have known that. Yeah, exactly. So the um, copper IUD, if inserted up to 120 hours or five days after unprotected sex, um, or within five days of your earliest expected date of ovulation, then the potentially fertilized egg still won't be able to attach to the uterine wall. Work. So that's a fun, fresh thing that I didn't know about. Um, And now we know. There's definitely a reason why IUDs are a pretty popular form of contraception, and that's because there are very few cons to having this contraception. So starting with the pros, it is 99% effective, and there's nothing that you can do or can't do to change that level of effectiveness. It just is what it is. It is incredibly long-acting, so between 3 and 10 years, depending on the type. Completely reversible, no need to think about daily contraception, doesn't get in the way of sex. The copper IUD specifically has basically no side effects because it doesn't contain any hormones. And the hormonal IUD has such a small amount of progesterone that most people experience no side effects as well. The only major con, and this is just what I've heard from people, can't say, uh, can't speak from experience, but apparently it's excruciating to get put in. See, at least for me it wasn't. And I feel from what I can gather, that's a like a niche experience for you. Yes. Well, I didn't think it was. But I feel like it really highlights to people how severe my period pain was, is that when I got my IUD inserted, they get you to lie there for a bit, right? Because most people experience, and like I'm saying most people, I experienced the cramping that they're talking about. But my period pain was so horrible that for me it was like this is a day this was a day-to-day kind of pain that I would have on my period like this was like manageable this this was like I would go to to class to work to uni with this level of pain like I was so used to it that it was like I was just laying there she was like oh the pain will subside soon and I was like I am actually like I don't I can probably get dressed I can go because like this is not that and bad. And that is such a uh, massive nod to how high your pain tolerance must be from having periods, such intense, painful periods for so long that your natural response to pain is different compared to someone that either doesn't have periods or has yeah, much because more Because it, do- it does. It's like uh, the when, you, when they insert it in, as a foreign object, your body starts cramping. Yeah. But for me, I was like, this okay. is like. This is fine. I was like, whoa, it's just cramping in the front. I don't have the cramping in the front and then the intense, excruciating, back pain. excruciating like feels like someone's literally clenching on my back muscles. Yeah. Now, however, when I got my period like two weeks ago, boy jingos, was that <laughs> painful? Were my cramps and my back pain excruciating? Because I think it truly is that thing where your body does get used to a level of pain and because I have been 
relatively pain free, at least from period pain for years, yeah. for years. Your tolerance just dropped. My tolerance just dropped. It's like alcohol or anything. Like yeah. when you're, when you don't have it anymore, your yeah. tolerance When just- your body isn't exposed to it for long periods of time, you, your body adjusts to a, a smaller level yeah. of management. Whereas basically. now- I think getting the IUD put in again would be a different story. Like yeah. I think when it comes time for me to replace it, it will be a different story and it will probably be more painful, but I'm going to say for free, it'll be worth it. Exactly. It will be worth it. Like I know a lot of people are, fair, are scared of that and I think people, I don't want to say they make it sound worse than it is because everyone's experience with that pain is very valid and true for them yeah i do think that it scares a lot of people away from doing it where it's it's as we talk about with uncomfortable conversations it's a little bit of discomfort for a lifetime of comfort or for a five year three year ten year amount of amount of comfort but yeah and it's it's really not as scary as people think you don't don't let that put you off if you think that every other thing to do with an iud would be beneficial for you yeah short-term pain long-term let that be the thing that scares you away because I know for so many people that is the thing that is too that's too scary and it, it is that conversation around invasive versus non-invasive contraception yeah, yeah but I truly think a pill is so much more invasive to me than to your like daily life an IUD yeah so moving on to the injection depo provera um the injection the jab there's a whole bunch of ways that people this is the bum reference. one right yes so again this is a progestogen centric contraceptive um it's essentially just an injection of progesterone every 13 weeks has the same effect on your body as other progesterone centric contraceptions so the same kind of changing of the uterine lining same effect on the cervical mucus the injection isn't quite as effective as the implant or the iud it's only about 97 percent effective which means that three out of 100 people using depo-provera will get pregnant each year however just like the pill if you have your injections on time and very, very much on time, it can be up to or more than 99% effective. So again, it requires a little bit of playing and organization on your side to be as effective as possible, but it still sits at about that 97%. So from a pro's perspective for the injection, it can be almost 100% effective when used correctly. Pretty convenient, especially if you're someone that like goes to the doctor on a relative schedule anyway. It can just be kind of added into the to-do list. It lasts for 13 weeks, so just over three months. No daily pill, doesn't interfere with sex. It also, funnily enough, reduces the risk of endometrial cancer, so cancer of the uterine lining, because it, it reduces it by up to 80%, which is pretty crazy. And it can also help with heavy or painful periods. So there are some obvious pros here. Honestly, that one, another pro I feel like for that one is if you are someone who has casual sex or just generally wants to keep up with their STI checking, that could be a great option because you, I always say two for one. Every time I go to family planning, I get an STI check because I'm there anyway. Exactly. Like even when they call, they were like, would you like to do an STI check? I was like, why not? Yeah, fucking why not? The likelihood of me having one is very low. But I'm still do it. But I'll do it anyway because why not? Like I'm there. That could be a really great idea for people who do have casual sex, who Mm -hmm. are not safe all the time, myself included. I make mistakes. Everyone's Mm -hmm. human. Mm -hmm. For people who kind of, maybe I should swap to that one. The more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, I need excuses for me to do this shit. Like I will never just 
be proactive. Mm. I'll never do things proactively. I'll only do it when it when I need to. Like, and it, it can be one of those things. And I know that if I I have kind of regular things that I need to go to the doctor for, and so every time I leave the doctor or leave wherever I am, I immediately book in my next appointment. Mm. So if you had family planning to start the injection. And you said, hey, cool, thanks for that. That was great. Primo, cheers so much. Book me in in exactly 13 weeks' time. Yeah. Right now. And I will put that in my calendar and we will go from there. And then guess what? Every 13 weeks, not only are you getting your contraceptive pill, but you're also doing your other checkups that you need to do. Exactly. So – yeah, I think it's about finding the thing that fits your lifestyle. Why am I literally sat here being like, am I going to get my AD taken out? Well, well it, is the, it is also quite attractive to people that know that they're going to want to be getting pregnant relatively soon because you're only ever committing to a 13-week block. See, you know what I mean? And I feel like, yet again, another pro, okay, because yet again we talked about how I have to gaslight my brain into doing what I want yes. because I would never make a choice. Yes. That's one of the ones where I could just not go back. Exactly. When I just and I would I won't feel as much of a choice. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. This feels like a consult for me. Again, right not a medical professional. Just yes, reiterating, but it's reiterating <laughs> facts that are facts. Yeah. So and so the cons. Yeah, there's so many pros to that one. Right. Honestly, lots of pros. Lots of pros. Like yeah, work. But on the con side, because we've got to cover the cons. So when first starting to use the injection as your form of contraception it can cause irregular or longer periods of bleeding, which just takes some time to adjust. They say by the fourth injection, so 13 weeks times four, you will be basically period-free. So a year. Which is exactly. Which is a long, a long time. time. But again, that could not be accurate because for me, I only bled for like two months before my period stopped on the IUD. For yeah. a lot of people, it's six months. Yeah. For some people stopped immediately exactly for some people and never stopped they still get just got their period like everybody's body is going to react differently to these different contraceptions exactly so don't let anything scare you it's about trying things and finding out if they work for you like i've Mm -hmm. tried the IUD; it's working for me right now if i change yeah might come back to it you never know like it's about literally finding what works best for your lifestyle and your body yeah and again understanding that there are going to be risks regardless yeah so you 100%. just want to pick the one that works the best for you. So the only, I guess one of the other cons is that there is a very small chance that you could have an allergic reaction to the injection. And if in general it doesn't make your body feel good, you do have to wait out that 13-week period. You can't just go in and get something removed. Yeah. So it, it isn't as quickly reversible as something like the IUD or the implant. Or the jab, Yeah. Also, I guess a con could be needing to make 13 weekly appointments if you if that's something that doesn't work for you or your schedule yeah. or whatever. Because again, like the pill, the stricter you are with your schedule, the more effective the jab is. There is also some studies that show that it can slightly uh, affect your bone density so that your bones aren't as dense when you're uh, taking the injection regularly. But this immediately improves once you stop taking it. Mm. So again... Risks, reward, et cetera, et cetera. And it's giving the, that one is not for year long, like lifetime. Yeah. Yes. I don't think it's recommended for Any someone to than yeah, be on the job forever. A really good friend of mine, this is her chosen uh, method of contraception. And I actually, when I was doing the research for this episode yesterday, I texted her and I was like, hey, just uh, we're doing a podcast episode on contraception. This is your friendly reminder to check if you need to get your jab. <laughs> because she has severe ADHD and forgets shit constantly. And so she was like, hmm, let me let me do some math real quick. 
and realized that she was like four weeks out or whatever. Like she was fine. But she was like, thank you for reminding me because I probably would have forgotten. So I'm going to book that in now. I said, you're welcome, my friend. You are welcome. But I think it's the right form of contraception for someone that isn't looking for a super long-term solution but could keep extending the life of it if that's what they wanted exactly and also good for again good for people that want something a little less permanent but aren't going to remember to take a pill every day yeah so you know i feel like the jab creates a nice in between that would really work for some and still really not work for others. Like yeah. all, all contraceptions. Exactly. Realistically. So one of one of the last contraceptive options, and this is where we're getting a bit extreme, sterilization. So sterilization is often seen as a pretty extreme form of contraception. As fit for uterus owners, it can be more or less permanent and non-reversible. Uh, for women, sterilization is usually in the form of having your tubes tied tubal ligation um so basically tying off or clipping your fallopian tubes so that eggs cannot travel to the uterus having a hysterectomy could also be considered a sterilization but it's usually not the method it is very unlikely to be the method of sterilization it's usually because something else has happened and you have to have a hysterectomy yeah which for those that don't know that's the complete removal of the uterus so uh, sterilization is often kind of lumped into two categories it's either from the form of a horrifically forced sterilization situation like what we talked about earlier in in 50s puerto rico and there are many many women around the globe that have been forced into this against their will or it's often thought of in the case of women who are essentially finished having children yeah i've done my dash i've had my kids get rid of it don't want to do it don't want to deal with it don't want to deal with periods don't want to deal with the possibility of getting pregnant just cut it out and in fact if you are someone that has a uterus that is sure that you do not want children ever have never had them never want them the average doctor is going to really struggle with providing that medical service to I've you. seen I've seen many TikToks videos yeah. of people talking about how they Refused. have tried to advocate for themselves and been like this is a decision I know that I want I want to have this and doctors will still say no yep if you are not a certain age if you haven't had children if you are in a partnership particularly if you're in a hetero partnership a lot of the time doctor will doctors will say well what What if your husband wants children and you know that's not the conversation because does that matter is he carrying is he carrying them yeah um, so it is very, very difficult to opt for a tubal ligation um, if you fit into that category of never wanting children. Um, I feel like there was pushback even when my mum asked for it and yeah. she had had four children. Yeah, because I think it's like women under the age of like 35 or under the age of 40. Because any woman over the age of 35, that's a geriatric pregnancy. Which is so which fun, is like, fucked up. What the hell? <laughs> Change the name. Come on. This is why I'm saying I'm a child bride. Literally, because but 35 actually, is geriatric. Real reality, I am a f- I am an adult. Yeah. <laughs> if that if 35 is geriatric, yeah. I am on my way. You're middle-aged. I am middle-aged. <laughs> this is no quarter-life crisis. This is a mid-life crisis. Yes. Yes. But look, sterilization is still an option. You may have to go through quite a process of, of advocation and, and advocating for yourself, but it's possible. And I love how we haven't even talked about, like, the equivalent for men is a form of contraception but we don't it doesn't count because men won't do it no 
But even though it's speaking reversible, of, speaking of, uh, for men, sterilization happens in the form of a vasectomy. For those that don't actually know what a vasectomy is, and I knew what a vasectomy was, but I didn't really know the ins and outs of it. So a uh, vasectomy is when the tubes that carry the sperm from the testicles to the urethra are cut and tied to stop sperm traveling and mixing with semen. Two different things. Again, I didn't know I that. I didn't know that. The testicles will still make sperm, but after a vasectomy, they are basically absorbed into the body, which I think is fucking batshit. Bonkers. <laughs> That's bonkers. But it's a super duper duper simple operation. And I personally would not even class it as an operation because it is completely non-surgical. You do not have to get a scalpel involved to have a vasectomy. So what happens usually is that, like, this can happen just in a doctor's clinic. Like, your family GP could fucking do it. So basically, the doctor will feel for the tube under the skin, hold them in place with a clip, make one tiny little puncture with a special instrument to expose the tube, and then use a variety of different methods to, like, separate them, basically. So no stitches are needed, very little bleeding occurs, and the opening of that little insertion that's made heals quickly and without scarring. With vasectomies, one in 300 may fail. One of my best friends, her mum and stepdad had a child through a failed vasectomy um and so there is a 20 year difference between her age and her youngest sibling's age pretty bonkers so uh a vasectomy is not immediately effective it usually takes about three months and obviously your semen needs to be tested first to make sure that there is a zero sperm count so use other forms of contraception until you have had the tests and been in the clear um and of course because contraception is so much easier for men penis owners can still have erections and orgasms uh they can ejaculate the same amount it doesn't affect their hormones it doesn't affect their sex drive or their ability to perform I suppose the only downside is that with trying to reverse it, it's only about 50% reversible. Oh. So out of every 100 people, 50% will still be able to make a baby afterwards and 50% won't. That's kind of not great odds. It's not great odds. If you were doing that. As a temporary measure before Bef- you wanted to have yeah. children. But like afterwards. Yeah, afterwards fucking go If off. I just gave birth, like. Love my mom. Love my father. <laughs> but if I was just given birth, I would be like, why am I the one getting my tubes tied? My body has been through enough. Like, have I not done enough? And and getting a tubal ligation is but I guess, far more invasive, far more painful. The recovery time is fucking awful. And for men, oh, a little bit sore, a little bit cramping. That queen really was recovering from that and a C-section at the same time. Yep. I guess that's maybe why she did it, because they were already in there. Yeah, just... Cut them off while we're in here. Thanks. I love how everyone just knows exactly how my brother was born. <laughs> Caesarean. I was just hoping he'd be gay because then he'd be a gold star gay. I know. I love it. So people that have vasectomies are oftentimes encouraged to freeze some sperm before the procedure takes place on the off chance that if they want to reverse it, they're not able to produce pregnancy. Cool. Which again, doesn't seem like that bad of a choice. No. I've been thinking about freezing my eggs now. Because I am very iffy on if I want kids or not. Like, I just don't know. But I would like to have the choice. And I feel like... And the only way to 100% secure the choice is to free free some some eggs eggs. while you're young and you've got a million of them. Because did you know you are born with the amount of eggs that That you have have for your life? life. 
Yeah, I did. Crazy. Crazy. So I'll pretty much, I mean, I'm going to touch on condoms, both external and internal, slightly in the end of this. But the, the last, I guess, form of contraception is the ECP, the morning after pill, the emergency contraceptive pill. So the emergency contraceptive pill works by either stopping or delaying the release of an egg from your ovaries until there is no sperm active in your body. So it's just like, hey, hold up, stop right there. We need to wait for the sperm to die and then you can come on in. Um, So it obviously stops fertilization uh, by changing the way that sperm moves in the body. The ECP does not work once an egg has been fertilized, but if that's the case, it won't hurt you and it won't hurt the developing embryo. So if you then decide down the track, oh, well, I'm really glad that that morning after pill didn't work because I actually want this baby. Great, that morning after pill did nothing to harm the embryo. So that is that is a, can be a good thing. The ECP is only approved to be taken up to 72 hours after unprotected sex. However, for most people, it is still effective up to four days after sex. I am not promoting that in any way, shape or form. Go with the approved guidelines, three days. It's just a piece of information. Don't yeah. rely on it. And also... Bear in mind, if you are over 70 kg, I want to say it's 70. I may be, I do I have might that noted be here. 75. What is it? It's 70. 70. Yeah, so if you're over 70 kgs, I don't know what the equivalent is in stone or pound or whatever they use in America, yeah. you need to take two. Yes. And it feels weird because I know that there's a lot of misinformation around taking two. I know that a lot of people assume that taking two is a bad thing. But if you fit into that category where you're over the recommended weight for effectiveness of one ECP, you should take two. And I'm concerned because I'm pretty sure when I went and got my IUD, I only took one. Yeah. Well, it clearly worked. I, I just don't think I was pregnant. I, I think I just pregnant. really God shone down on me and said that would have been too much for her. Said, baby, this was your she first time. She doesn't deserve this. You don't deserve this. We she got doesn't you. deserve this. So in terms of pros of the ECP, it does have a 98% success rate when taken less than four days after sex and by someone that weighs under 70 kgs. So that is actually not something that I knew was the 70 kg thing. I didn't know that. If you're over 70 kgs, then it is recommended to use the copper IUD as your emergency contraceptive. I suppose another pro is that you can just buy it from pharmacy. You don't need any special appointments or any procedures. Like you just go and buy it from the pharmacy um, or a clinic. And it also doesn't make it harder for you to get pregnant later on. And it is not harmful for you to use more than once. Yeah. In saying that, getting into the cons, it is not an effective form of of regular contraceptive. It doesn't give you the same protection that a lot of other contraceptive options do. And it obviously doesn't protect you against STDs. It doesn't protect you from a pregnancy resulting from future sex, like, you know, with an IUD where you have a very large window. And it's just not, it's not as reliable. Don't use it as your main form of contraception. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, people are judgy. My friend went to get the morning after pill. The pharmacist said, do you use this often? Rude, considering you can use it. It doesn't matter whether or not you use it often. That doesn't have any effect on your body. It's just like, it's like a level of like... Judgment. Yeah. Don't put yourself through it. Don't make me feel bad. Just get, 
get contraception. Yeah. And so obviously the only other major form of contraception is I mean, excluding the pull-out method because we have determined that it's not abstinence method. I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> abstinence. Don't ever have sex. Is condoms or internal condoms like diaphragms, things of that nature. The only concern there is obviously user error. There are a lot of ways that it can not be put on right or put in right. If you use the like a wrong type of lube, it can... Yeah, damage them. Rip you can them. rip it with a fingernail. You can. Uh, it can just break in general. Can be expired. Um, it can come off. Like, there's just a lot of ways to fuck it up. If they're used 100% correctly, yes, the protection rate is pretty high. But because people don't often use them correctly, about 15 out of 100 people um, will get pregnant every year from still using condoms. Say two for one. Yeah, but condoms, the only form of contraception that will protect you from STDs. Yes. So there's, you know, we should use combinations. Pick and mix. Pick and mix. Now, I know that was a lot of information to digest, but without doing your own research and really digging into all of these different options, there's not a huge number of ways where you can just see all of the options laid out in front of you, pros and cons, very clear, give you very much a menu to choose from. So I do hope that this has been a little bit of that experience. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to your lifestyle, the way that you operate, your general personal preferences when it comes to choosing which contraception is right for you. So just uh, some off the cuff uh situations to consider if you are a generally forgetful person the pill and possibly the injection might not be right for you because they both rely on you taking something regularly or scheduling something regularly in order to reach maximum effectiveness definitely something to consider if you are looking to not experience a period basically ever and you don't mind having a small procedure something like the iud is probably going to be the right go for you although you know again everybody's different and especially if you're looking for a non-hormonal contraception option and there's lots of reasons why people might want a non-hormonal option a lot of people are predisposed to estrogen related cancers and things like that if breast cancer runs in your family please find out whether or not it's an estrogen induced breast cancer that runs in your family or a different form of breast cancer because if it is you will be highly 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 recommended to not put synthetic estrogen in your body so then the copper iud will be the best the copper iud is the way to go there are contraceptive pills that obviously don't contain estrogen and there are a lot of contraceptive options that don't contain estrogen but if you're looking for a zero hormone impact the copper iud is potentially the way to go if you're looking for a shorter term solution but you still think you're going to forget to take the pill every day the jab might be the way to go if you're wanting super longevity iud implant probably up your alley but obviously the least invasive and i would say arguably most accessible option is the pill yeah and it's probably the option that your general doctor or gp is the most educated on compared to like a sexual health clinic. Yeah. Because there are lots of different reasons why people might go on the pill rather than just contraception. But again, lots of side effects, definitely things to consider. But the beauty of the modern age, for the most part, I mean, especially where we live, you do have options. There are some pretty clear pros and cons for each option. All of the decision-making really comes down to 
personal preference, your lifestyle, your unique concerns. Obviously, there are lots of women around the world that don't have the luxury to choose and don't even have the luxury of access. So those of us that do, explore your options. We have come a long way since the 50s and you know, get educated, know what you're looking for. And just because you choose one contraception does not mean you have to keep that contraception for life. Yeah. You can change. If your needs change, if your lifestyle changes, talk to your doctor, talk to a sexual health clinician, make sure that you're using the right option for you. Exactly. But also as a last note, not everyone has a super comfortable relationship with their GP, their general practitioner, or their family doctor where they're comfortable talking about things like contraception. We have obviously had a similar discussion when it comes to STI testing, all of which you can do at your GP, but a lot of people feel more comfortable doing it at more of a sexual health clinic. Take advantage of these clinics if you have them available to you. Mm. They are, like we've said before, some of the kindest, most considerate, and calming people to work with when it comes to these super vulnerable topics because they know they know what you're here for they know that you're here probably because you don't feel like you can go to your gp yeah because if you could the cost as an adult to go to a gp versus to go to family planning or a sexual health clinic is cheaper to go to your gp more often than not in new zealand oh yeah sorry caveat in new zealand (laughs) and a lot of i know a lot of health insurance Medical insurance covers your GP more than it's going to cover a sexual health clinic. Yeah. We're just saying that there are options. Yeah. It's like the older I get, the more I feel comfortable paying more to be comfortable. Yeah. Like, again, I probably would never catch an Uber when I was younger. I would walk places because I would be so poor. And I'm like, I cannot justify paying $6 for an Uber to go 15 minutes away. I'll just walk in the rain because I'm too poor. Now I'm like, no. I will pay to be comfortable. Pick up right outside my house. Priority delivery every time. Yeah. That I will pay for the comfortability of this. I will pay to be comfortable. Yeah. I will pay a little bit more to go to a place where I feel comfortable. Also, in the most basic sense, I know I what kind of person I am. I will lie if I feel uncomfortable. I will lie and try and make things sound better than they are to avoid that awkwardness. 100%. And going very to common. a sexual health clinic, I feel a lot more comfortable being honest and being like, because I reckon if I went to my GP, I would not have been so upfront when I had made mistakes. Yeah. Because Especially if be, it's someone that has known you your whole life or yeah. knows your family. or That's but a bit embarrassing. In a health that. clinic, she knows my whole story. She, yeah. We're having a kiki. Yeah, like, she gets it. She She's not judging. But in saying that, collectively, I know it's uncomfortable, but collectively, the more... We have these uncomfortable conversations with your medical professionals. The better these conversations are going to get for you and for other women and other people in general. It's scary and can be uncomfortable to have these conversations with people that, especially, you know, traditional medical professionals are usually so clinical that the emotional and the support and the comfort isn't really top priority. But at the same time, this is your body. This is literally your ability to control when you do and do not bring life into this world. Like, take it seriously. Have the hard conversations because protecting yourself is utmost priority. Do what needs to be done. Exactly. So... Do we feel educated? Do we feel satisfied with our current contraception methods? Do we feel like we understand our options a little bit better and what they do to our bodies? Yeah. How are we feeling? I feel like I knew this mainly because I went through quite an in-depth 
you know, journey. journey when it came to my own contraception. But again, that was because I started working here. Like I didn't make those decisions until I started working in this space and I was doing more research about it. Having more conversations. For my job. Like pre that. You would have just stayed on the pill for Yeah, I would have just stayed on the pill. Like yeah. I never even would have thought. It's Plato's allegory, right? Yeah. It's you only know what is known to you. Yeah. You only know what you see. Again, we say it all the time. Bisexual people think everyone's bisexual because that's their experience. Yeah. I think everyone should get the IUD because in my experience, I'm like, that makes the most sense because of my lifestyle, because yeah. of how my brain works. I can't take a pill every day. Yeah. How can I cannot fathom that there are people who wake up every day and are like, go take my pill. Psychotic. But we're like, honestly, go go for, good for you. Like it's a serve, but you're just living off your experience and what is known to you. Yeah. So I hope it was helpful for people because I think, again, lots of people don't know these things. Yeah. Like I'm shocked every day when I learn what people don't know is available yeah. to them. Like my phone got stolen and someone told me that they didn't know what phone my iPhone was. <laughs> you're like, come on, guys. Multiple people said this to me, though, that they had no idea you could literally track your phone with another Apple device. Yeah. Because to me, that's so obvious. And to me now, these contraception methods, so obvious. obvious because I inquired when I went, I was like, okay, so I know that these are the, these are potential options. Yeah. What do you recommend for me? Like, yeah. these are the things, these are my pain points. So what is the best option for me? And I explored that. Yeah. But for people who are going to their family doctor or who are not doing individual research because again why would you think to yeah. when everyone that you know is using one form of contraception like why would you push the boat out the same friend that i, I was talking about that uses the jab and the injection depropovera as her form of contraception when i reminded her about it when i told her that i was doing this episode she said please send me the link when you're done because I don't necessarily know if this is still the right contraception method for me. I know that I can't be relied on to take a pill, but I also know that it's, I think it might be time for my body to get off of a hormonal contraception. Yeah. So when you're done, send me the link to the app and I will listen to it and learn. And I said, I got you. Say no more. Say no more, baby Say girl. No more. I got you. I hope this has been an educational experience for all. And like I said at the top of the episode, my recommended form of contraception is lesbianism. Take that as you will. And as always, you can send us a cheeky little email to goodgirls at hudapp.com. What do we want to hear about? I want to hear about positive contraception stories because I know that there are a lot of negative contraception stories out there. Or if you have like phenomenal resources, love to share it with the group so we can pass it on further. Always a good moment to share knowledge with one another. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on Instagram, goodgirls underscore podcast. And either way, we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.